Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wise Men Say preview podcast as we look ahead towards Sunderland's fixture against Walsall FC on Saturday the 24th of November. In the studio tonight we have myself, Frankie Francis, and also Matthew Keeling. Good evening. And Michael Loff. Aha! Nice, <laughs> nice, nice intro there. Um, how are we guys? Everyone alright? Good. Yeah, good. Very uh, good. wet, gloomy evening nice. in the north of England. Yeah, you're cycling. We just should describe the scene for the listeners. <laughs> uh, Matthew's wearing all black, except his arms, which are fluorescent green. Uh, and Michael's not dressed in any kind of sports uh, attire, but he's gone for a shirt with a jumper over the top. Yeah, which is really impractical, given how he's been pouring down nearly all day. But... Yeah, you should. I, I was surprised he turned up without a coat. Is he well, now really heavy? Like um, full of water. Full of rain. No, yeah. because it, actually the walk from the Metro to the Amazing Radio Studios was not even that rainy. I can't, I can't even... Dis- was in wet. Yeah. Like, that's the one I... Let's get round to um, the podcast then. Uh, we'll first of all look back at the weekend's game. We haven't had our say on the weekend's action against Wickham. 1-1, possibly one of the more... You know, wasn't a great game. One of the ones you pull out as you know, uh, maybe maybe the boring, most boring game of the season so far at the Stadium of the Light. It was kind of September era Sunderland. You know, yeah. Woodrow against Oxford and Fleetwood. Yeah, but there at least was a little bit of excitement in those like red cards and stuff like that. You know, it was like, you know you could see us where we went wrong. We didn't really count the blocks on Saturday, though, did we, Michael? No, it was um, a very slow start and. You go on at half time, and I'm not saying you're relieved to be nil nil because I don't think Wickham offered anything in particular either. But as a, as you say, it was very frustrating because it was a great chance to go top of the league, which we discussed last Thursday, yeah. and we just didn't capitalise on it in the end. Yeah, it was Matthew, wasn't it? A, a missed opportunity, and you think maybe we were a little bit. Your players maybe took the opportunity a little bit for granted. You know, we, we could have made it. Was it nine wins on the spin? It would have been. Yeah. I think it was a strange one in the first half. There was didn't seem to be a lack of effort or anything they just couldn't put two passes together it was a strange one it was it was obviously a massive missed opportunity but Wigan made it really difficult as well to be fair they did and um, I, I remember saying to the person next to me during the first half I was like it's just not coming off for no, us nothing today. worked did it um you know was that down to team selection or Michael were you going to make another point there before that I just think I don't think it's down to team selection I just think that it was one of them games where a lot of our key players just performed poorly simple mm-hmm. as that I, I think there was quite a few conspiracy theories almost after the game about like, oh, they've bottled it and they couldn't handle the pressure. I didn't see that at all. 
sometimes you just don't play very well and there was just far too many individuals in key areas who didn't perform particularly like in the attacking sense that's that's not get carried away with this though you know it was a it was a draw and we still are undefeated in the home at home in the league as well matthew um but you would you pull any players out you were particularly disappointed with um sinclair for me i think he either needs someone up with him or he needs to be taken up taken out of the of the team in in my opinion i don't think he's equipped to play up front in his own. And I think when Madge has scored 10 goals now in the league, I think you kind of have to play him. Yeah. Um, I know he's had a few injuries and struggled for form relatively in recent weeks, but I think he's got to come back in and Sinclair, for Sinclair. And I think um, power power has to come in for, for probably McGeek. Yeah, The player I was most disappointed with on Saturday was um, definitely Maguire, not necessarily for his performance, but just the, the nonsense he was getting involved yeah. with for mm. a period in the second half where every time he got the ball he was looking for a non-existent free kick and diving about all the over the place. The penalty box. Yeah, it wasn't just in the penalty box over those two or three occasions where he went down really easily and there was an instance early on in the first half where he went down cheaply, fair enough, it could be given as a free kick but the referee didn't give it. So surely that should have been a sign to him saying, oh, well, I'm not mm. going to get a cheap like, free kick off this referee. But he persisted and persisted until the last 20 minutes he suddenly thought, oh, I'm not going to get these free kicks. He started playing football and he was yeah. all right again but... Like I say, we've seen this side Maguire before where he gets involved in almost like extracurricular stuff on the pitch and it's just not helpful for anyone when he's in that kind of well, mood. He did it against Oxford, didn't he, when yeah. Power got sent off and he was looking not to be sent off himself. Ross then took him out of the starting lineup and he came back brilliantly, so maybe it's time. It could be time to do that. Do that again, maybe. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple of things that happened on, on Saturday I thought we, we'd discuss. The, the timing of the substitutions in the, in the second half. Now, the substitutions definitely worked because yeah. we've looked much better with Max Power and Josh Madger on the field. But it was so strange to do it so soon after half-time. Well, maybe it was just a classic thing of the manager giving the players like five or ten minutes opportunity to turn things around. Mm. Because, I mean, I remember there was a spell when Paolo Di Canio was manager when he just used to hike players off at half-time if they had like a moderate game. Mm, he just, yeah. I think if Paolo had his week, we would have made 11 changes every single week at half-time. Yeah. And I just think Ross isn't really like made up that way. So I think, as I say, he just gave him a fair chance and saw it wasn't working and he just switched it up. Like, I think when he there's fought. something almost attached to being taken off at half-time as well. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, oh, he's, hauled, he's been hauled off at half He hasn't came back out in the second I was half. listening to the recent Quickly Kevin podcast. I don't know if anyone's listened to it in this room, but they did a Gary Neville special. They look at 90s football, and a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be aware yeah. of this podcast. And they had Gary Neville on, and he said um, he had such a bad game under Ferguson once that he was uh, made to go out for the second half and took off of 46 minutes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, against, so it was almost worse than being worse, at half-time. Yeah. Again, Paolo did that um, with G against MK Dons in the League Cup. I can't remember. He that. had a, he had an absolute shocker in the first half, and the um, and he was pulled to the extent that he actually got booed off G. But right. he, he came back out for the second half, and he, as I say, he got subbed on about forty six to forty seven minutes. It was mm. just totally like, unnecessary humiliation for him, really. The uh, the, the sub- substitutions though did change the game, and yeah. you know uh, Wickham, you know, unfortunately did take take the lead. They took the the goal well, and you know they almost. Threatened a little bit as much as we did, I think, until that point. Um, but it really emphasised the importance of Max Power yeah. in that midfield, didn't it? Because he came on, he was he was spraying passes forward, which we were certainly lacking in the first half. He's just got to start this weekend, you think, Michael? He's absolutely got to, particularly with the news that Lee Catamore isn't going to be available. Because although I still would have tried to get them um, Max Power and Catamore in the same team, had Catamore been fit, sometimes making two changes in the centre midfield when it's been quite settled recently. It's not something you really want to do, ideally. So 
it's a perfect opportunity now for Powell to just slot back in there because, like you say, when he came on, it was a totally different game. The the upfront uh, situation, Matthew, you touched on with with Sinclair. Do you think at home we should be starting with two up front? I think possibly because did they both play against Peterborough at home? I think they did. Yeah, and uh, whether Sinclair was maybe out wide, but I think they played they linked up quite well. And I, I think it would be something I'd like to see, particularly games where no disrespect to Wickham, you're expected to win the game and yeah. it's going to help you an early goal settles everything and I think if you've got to up front you, the way we play you are more likely to get a more chance of it yeah. um, we'll move on to another subject now something which is on the, the, the tip of a lot of Sunderland fans tongues is the, the fact that Josh Madges still hasn't been nailed down for the contract obviously came on at the weekend scored yet another goal he seems to the ball falls to him in the box or maybe just outside. He's, he's amazingly talented footballer we have on our hands at the moment. And a lot of people will obviously be looking at him. You know, ourselves, when we were in the Premier League, would look through the leagues and see players who were performing. And he's got to stand out. The sooner we time down, the better, Michael. We've had this discussion for a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah, now. We yeah, I think we need a, We used to have a Jack Rodwell section on the podcast. I think we need a Josh Madger one with mm. the way things are developing, but for, for entirely different reasons, obviously. But no, um, I think Ross has come out today and said, although he hasn't tied him down, he says he, expect, he expects Magic to remain at the club beyond his current like contract length. So that's encouraging. I don't think there's too much to worry about. If Jack Ross isn't getting stressed about it, I'm certainly not going to lose any sleep over it. So Yeah, same situation with, I guess, uh, uh, Lyndon Gooch as well as another yeah. name we have to try and nail down. He's an integral part of the squad as well. He is, and he, I think it's almost gone under the radar that there are a few members of the squad out of contract because of... Like Madge's form and him scoring, it's imperative that we get him tied down with Gooch, Honeyman, even um, Hume. Yeah, oh, he's out of contract as well. So I well, think it's if we t- hopefully tie them all down, keep the keep them keep them with us. Yeah. Well, Jack Ross said in in his press conference ahead of Walsall game that he believes that Madge will stay, and he's very patient with the situation. I, I that comes across well, doesn't it, uh, Jack Ross? I mean, he he really comes across as a kind of a patient. Let's just see time, you know, see its course, and you know, the right thing will happen eventually. I think measured is just the way to describe his managerial like stance. Really, he doesn't get carried away when we win, but when we lose or have a poor performance, he doesn't get too downhearted. So it's really important for him to maintain that. He's been very consistent with his approach so far with all the players. Let, let's just emphasise as well, although it was a missed opportunity to go top of the weekend, we're still in the top two, you know, we're still, you know, undefeated at home in the league this season. We're still in a very strong position. The fact that we came back again from a 1-0 down situation to get a goal back showed, again, the character of the squad. Let's not get too downhearted about this. No, not at all. I mean, as I say, Saturday was frustrating, but at any level, it's really hard to string like the run of games we have. So the win, I know we haven't all been in the league, but the win eight on the bounce, that's a very impressive feat anyway, just in itself. So, no, I'm not going to get carried away. So that's another game unbeaten. So since Burton Albion, how many games is that unbeaten? It's just, and now, I think there's what? such a mentality, even though that Wickham went 1-0 up, I never really felt we'd lose that game because of the way yeah. we played in the second half. It was... A lot of people said they saw the Whitman goal coming. I didn't really see that. I thought we were on top in the second half. I didn't. I didn't see them. I didn't. I don't think, from my perspective, that they were threatening to score. But I thought, you know, it could have gone either yeah. way. Yeah. I know. think if our goal had come five minutes earlier, I do think we'd have gone on and won the game. Yeah. It just shows the quality we have as well. I mean, because George Honeyman, obviously, he's quite a polarizing figure anyway. For some reason, amongst the fan base. Um, 
But on Saturday, he I think he had an okay game, but he wasn't great. But he produced that moment of quality where he got into the box to the byline and he cut it back for Magic. That was a very good piece of play, and it just shows the quality that we do have, even when there's so many, like I said, key players not performing. We still do have that little bit of gold dust throughout the squad. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, another thing the manager touched upon today in his press conference was the the injuries, of course. And it looks like Catmull's out for a, a few games still. Big blow, especially with the Barnsley game on the horizon, Matthew. Yeah, he's a big man. He's been excellent, hasn't he? Um, it's a strange one because I think when he was out of the team, probably expected him to miss that game. I think I can't remember what game it was, but he's been out a few weeks now, and it doesn't. Yeah. It's going to be another couple of weeks, yeah. which is a shame. Cause... I think when the um, injury was first kind of in the public domain. I thought to myself, well, he's got the Port Vale game and the Morton games are two ideal games yeah. from the kind of miss and get back into full fitness, but it just seems to be one of these almost like nuisance injuries. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but he will be a really big miss, especially in crucial games because he's stepped up the place when he's needed to this season, Catamore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to pause now because we've got a new section, a new feature here on the uh, Wise Men Say preview podcast. Uh, have any of you guys met the young man who goes by the name of Tom Walsh? Indeed, I've met Tom Walsh. I've met Tom Walsh. Well, he's going to be coming along right now. I'm going to catch him on the phone, in fact, uh, for his away guide. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Wise Men Say Preview Podcast as we look ahead to Walsall. New feature now. We're going to be speaking to Tom Walsh. Tom's on the line. And you're going to do an away guide for us, Tom. I certainly am, Frankie. What is an away guide? Have you been doing this for a while now? <laughs> Yes, I've been doing it for a while. Um, essentially, my away guide is telling you everything you need to know about the fair city we're about to visit this week. Which is uh, Walsall. Or is, is that a city? Or is it just a town? No, no, it's a town. But, you know, it sounds a bit more grandiose if you build them up a bit. Have they, um, have they had any uh, success in you know history ever? <laughs> uh, well, they're like many of our, many of our opposition in this fair league. Uh, they always dream about the uh, that... You know, that massive team of 1962 that finished 14th in the <laughs> 2nd Division, or what is the championship now? Yeah, the heady, uh, heady days. Heady days, indeed. Even more headier was the League Cup semi-final in 1984, where they lost to Liverpool. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah. And then they got bodied by Bristol City in the Checker Trade in 2015. Yeah. And in terms of success, I think that's pretty much Walsall wrapped up. What about players? Have they had any you know, starlets throughout the years? Well, well, perusing their Wikipedia, 
Uh, they had the likes of Will Grigg and Troy Deeney and a lad called Andy Butler. But for some reason, they wanted to, on their Wikipedia, they decided to feature Ian Roper, who's one of their players of the year that looks kind of like someone to sell you a mortgage. And then Andy <laughs> Gerrard is on there as well for some bizarre reason. Right. Um, but they've also had, you know, uh, Tommy Mooney, who's always at Watford forever. and so, But he was also at Walsall, so... Oh. Um, the ground, Tom. Is this the ground you pass when you're on the motorway near Birmingham sometimes? Oh, it sure is. Many oh. fond memories of going to Birmingham, to Cadbury World, and then I was thinking, once you get past Walsall's ground, it's like, oh, we're nearly there. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you have a big RAC centre. Have they always played there? And what's the name of the ground? It's the Bescott, or, uh, Bescott Stadium, or the Bank Stadium, named after the uh, the brewery. Right, yeah. But they, they used to play at Fellows Park for many a year, and they, also in the 1800s they played at a place called the Truckery. That sounds which, good. Bring back the truckery. Yeah, the truckery. Right. The truckery. Good. I have no idea what a truckery is. <laughs> <laughs> sounds dodgy. Is the ground, well, it must be easy to get to if it's just off the, one of the major motorways in the UK. Yep, just off the M6. You turn off at Junction 9, and then the, um, the ground is clearly signposted. Parking at the ground is £4. Pounds. That's And if cheap. you get a train from uh, Birmingham, the nice people at Walsall even have their own station there. And unlike Coventry, they actually have trains that go to it. So that's very good. That is very good indeed. So information there about people travelling to the game. We're taking a fair few down, I'd imagine, twice in the space of a week as well. <laughs> yes. You have to wait 14, you wait 14 years to go to Walsall and then you get to go twice in a week. If, when you're there, uh, where's the best places to get a pint, catch a pint or something to eat maybe before the game? Well, a lot of people would do the foolish thing of go to Birmingham around Christmas time, which is always hell because of the Christmas market. Yeah. Bullring at the good, best uh, of time is hell. True. But our good friend uh, Matthew Keeling, a wise men's day contributor, he has all the lowdown on Warsaw and he recommends the Black Country Arms, right. which is the oldest hostelry in Warsaw. It's been there since 1627. And it's right next to the train station in Walsall. Perfect. Then, then there's also the Pretty Bricks on John Street that sells a lot of real ale. And then the Tap and Tanner, which I've been reliably informed is cheap as shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, you happen, if you happen to be dropped off at the uh, the ground, you could be slim pickings there since they closed the Saddler's Bar to away fans nowadays. Right. So you'll have to slum it in the uh, the Radisson next door. Right, right. Well, there's plenty of choice there, Tom. Um, out else we should know about these jobbers, as you would put it on your article? <laughs> well... I was thinking of, day, you know, a day out in Warsaw, or if you've got the weekend there, you take the kids or whatever. So I perused the top five things to see in Warsaw. Take um, And in number number five was the stadium, so that's that to tick off. And number three was a Grosvenor Casino. Right. So that's a bit of a thing. But the number one thing was Warsaw Leather Museum. So, right. And they make leather there for some... Warsaw makes leather. And you can... And the- these, Sorry, the, the leather museums. Supposedly, you could do some kind of tour of the, mu- you know, and learn about the leather trade. Oh, you could. I can't. You do it at all. <laughs> and don't just take my word for it. This was on a Warsaw Council's website right. uh, from an unnamed user who wrote, <laughs> "Fantastic museum. Spent nearly two hours there. Learned so much about Warsaw history and leather history from fabulous <laughs> displays and friendly staff." Now, to me, that sounds all good, but there were some dissenters on the TripAdvisor no. for the... <laughs> a. Stevens, 905, in August of 2016, came, unless you worked in the trade, little of interest. Took just 20 minutes to walk around with small exhibits and dull. Just not my thing. <laughs> However, the Leather Museum did reply, called 
called A. Stevens 905 out on his uh, review, saying, can't help noticing that of the ten reviews on TripAdvisor, they were all negative, with only one star given, which is puzzling. So a little bit of beef there on the uh, yeah. on the leather museum, which, beef, cows, leather, you know, there's I a guess joke in there somewhere. S- some fans, you know, saved the journey back, maybe staying over, so mm. something to do. Yeah, or the Warsaw Arboretum, which apparently is just a Victorian park, is that as well. Right, Tom, I think you've covered everything there. Thanks very much for your first Away Guide on Wise Men Say podcast. Hopefully, we'll have another one very soon. Oh, no problem, Frankie. Our thanks to Tom Walsh for his Away Guide here on the Wise Men Say preview podcast. Um, that was great, wasn't it, Michael? Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Matthew, you got connections, as Tom said in his piece there, uh, with the, the area of Walsall. I have. Was, were the recommendations right, what he was saying? Where, where, would, where are you going to go? Um, the Black Country Arms is probably the best pub in the town. Right. Um, I couldn't really think of too many recommendations. Have you been there before at the stadium? Um, I haven't actually been to a game at the stadium. No? No. Are you looking forward to it? I am very much. Are you going to both games? No. I'm, I'm away next weekend. I'm just... You've got some kind of marital uh, connection. Well, my wife's from Walsall, yeah. There we go. So... Is she is she looking forward to the time? Yeah, she's going to the game. Is as she well. going to be in the Walsall end? Yes. Oh, bit of beef there, Michael. Eyeballed each other like from the stands. Like, Lovely yeah. hair ruffle after the game. Yeah. Oh, that, you got you got to tell her that you hope at the steel at the end of the I've game. I've already told her I hope the steel. I've said uh, the uh, the cup game may be their best chance as we may rest a few players. All right, lovely, well. lovely stuff. <laughs> nice hair ruffling there from you, from Matthew. Well, let's look at Walsall then. They are currently 11th in League One. Uh, they scored 19 goals this season, but conceded 24. Played 18, won seven, drawn five, lost six. They've only won one in their last five games. A few names to look out for. Andy Cook is currently on seven goals this season. Morgan Ferrier is on four. Uh, Zeely Ismail has got four also. Um, I've got a good fact about a Walsall player who's not in action at the weekend. But they have uh, acquired the services. On Halloween, they signed a free agent under the name of Ben Perkis. Does that mean anything to you, Matthew? No. Anything to you? Can't say it does. That's good, Michael. Because he is a 34-year-old defender. He's out this, He's out with a neck injury at the moment. But he's also the chairman of the PFA. Right. <laughs> Well, there we go. There we go. Frankie's fun facts. Frankie's fun Frankie's facts. Frankie's funny stories. Yeah, Frankie's funny stories, yeah. Every uh, Thursday here on the Wiseman's <laughs> Review podcast. Do you know anything else about this Walsall team we're going to come up against, or are you convinced that we're just going to, you know, steamroll of them, Michael? I'm not going to have to pretend I know anything about Walsall in this section. They're, they're captains, all right. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> Is his your name. wife being gone on about the captain? No, he's... You're never going to meet him. I probably could, to be fair. I watched them against Fleetwood last week because it was on before our game. Um, And their captain was all right. But other than that, there wasn't too much to note, really. No. Well, let's look at the team we could possibly put out then because, you know, we've looked at their form... Quite, you know, indifferent in the league they had 11th. a good start didn't they yeah they must have because they've yeah. only won one on the last five and they're currently 11th so yeah but we're right up there at the start of the season matched, I, think. I think they matched our results for the first 10 games or something and then just sort of decided to lose <laughs> decided <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder what the, the chairman of the PFA thinks about your <laughs> accusation there Michael uh, Matthew <laughs> um, so what, what, what are we going to do what, what is Sunderland going to turn out like um, two front I don't think he will. I don't think he'll play Sinclair, having Sinclair uh, come out for Madger. Um, and I think, obviously, as we say, Powell will come back in. But I can, 
I think he, I think Madge will be up front in his own again. I don't know yeah. about you, me. I I agree with that. I mean, he's mentioned in his um, pre-match press conference today, Ross, that Sinclair is a little bit of a doubt for Saturday, but he could make it. So, in a way, I think that's a blessing in disguise because that means that you can like, say to Sinclair under the guise of, oh, you've got a knock, therefore we're going to start you from the bench rather than just overtly mm-hmm. dropping him for Madger. Yeah. Even though Madger deserves a chance and I would start Madger anyway, I think it's quite nice for Ross just to be able to remove Sinclair from a firing line and be able to put Madger in that way. I do feel a bit for Sinclair sometimes because he... He gets absolutely nothing of the referee, <laughs> no. uh, of any referee this season. Like Don't ask the game in particular. He was he was just kicked, or <laughs> he just got nothing. Mm. So I think he just needs a bit more end end product almost. I think. I, I think people have been a little bit hasty to kind of almost criticise um, Sinclair. I mean, he had a poor game at the weekend. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but it's his first poor game in a while, mm. and. I think he's had positive contributions to a lot of our victories in recent weeks and that can't be forgotten. I mean, he hasn't scored the goals, but we all know that's not really his game. No. So if you're getting the goals from Madger, to be honest, I'm not really bothered where the goals come from as long as they continue to come. Uh, Oviedo came on at the weekend and did offer a little bit going down the, the left and certainly was cutting in a little bit as well. But you wouldn't change the back form, I think? I wouldn't drop James. I, I think it would be unfair. I don't think Oviedo, although he, he did offer to an extent, I don't think he came on and sort of... Changed the game. Yeah, changed it that much to, to warrant him starting. And people saying playing him, in, playing him on the left wing, it, it's not going to work. No. He's a left back. For, he gets the space there because he's playing from left back. Yeah. It's, agree, Michael? I slightly disagree on... It's kind of semantics, though, because I actually think that he could work as a left winger if you wanted to, because we used to have this debate about Van Anholt a lot and... Van Anholt very much used to get that space because he was making them untrapped runs from left-backs. So you're not going to man-mark a left-back. Whereas Oviedo, I think he's got a different skill set. He doesn't really make those kind of runs from deep. He tends to get on the overlap and get the cross into the box. And he's really got good distribution, good crossing ability. And he's got a good shot on him. And he actually started his career as a left-hand side and midfield player. So actually, oh. I think that Oviedo has like more attributes to be like a left-hand side and midfielder because I don't think he senses danger. For a defender, even in League One, sometimes he allows crossing the box a bit too easy. So maybe you could start him as a left winger, but in terms of Saturday, I certainly wouldn't be putting him in for Reese James. That would be very reactionary in the extreme when James has done nothing wrong, really. Still the off front runner if we had to release one of the big owners this season? Yeah. For you, Matthew? Yeah, I'll be here, I'll be here. Right, let's look at some of the Twitter questions then. Uh, Billy Blythe has been in touch at Billy Blythe, said, uh, Would you play two up against Barnsley? Worked against Peterborough? We've kind of touched upon that. Yeah, I think at home, I think it's different. Yeah, I, I would be tempted to, depending on obviously if Sinclair does have an injury. If... Mm. So, what change would you make to allow that to happen then? Put me on the spot now. Um, just because I can't think. So, yeah, I just thought that, I would. Um... Um, I don't know, depending possibly Maguire. Yeah, know. fair comment. Yeah, uh, we had another question in from SAFC underscore crazy. So, this guy is uh, all about something. And also, it shares the same thoughts as. At Jhera eighteen and John Ridley on Twitter, they're concerned about the contracts. We've touched upon them already, but this just shows that you know this is the the pressing issue with Sunderland fans at, at the moment. And also, one of the mentions is Gooch as well. We've touched upon it already, but the sooner we get a sort of the better. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't really elaborate well, very yeah. much on that, can you? It's no. just... um, interesting one from uh, at J like the letter who says. If we did sell Josh Madger, what price do you think his his value is, and what would you accept? 
Well, great bit of podcast and that just about two seconds of dead air. Yeah, um, but I'll put well, some music in it or something. Six months. What you mean to sell them in January? Yeah. So, so if someone came in, and obviously the club in the situation it's in, it would have to con- it would have to seriously consider a serious offer. Wouldn't well, he's it? He's six months left of his contract. It would depend if he's not going to sign a new deal and an offer came along. I don't know what what you're going to get in a tribunal from. I don't know how that works. So, I don't know, five million quid or something, I guess. Do you think I, that's fair? I think that I, I, I personally wouldn't, but I think if he offered five... Oh, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't. You don't want so, it to happen. Uh, no, no, None no, of us want this no, to no, happen. Of course not, but all I'm saying We're is... living in a hypothetical <laughs> world right now. But even in the really depressing universe where Maddie does leave in um, January, I think if there was an offer of around four or five million, I think the club, given our current financial state, would snap our hands off. Yeah. I think that's just an unfortunate reality. Uh, another question from at Caltermall. Uh, obviously a play on his own name and mm. our player maybe um, has said um, would you like to comment on the Bob Murray on short debate would you like to come in on that um, any of you I think there's been like extreme viewpoints on here about Murray and um, short and I'm somewhere in the middle I think you can't doubt- centralist are you um, politically, I'm not normally known for my centrist <laughs> politics, but um, on this debate, yeah, on this uh, on this particular issue, I am because I think you can't argue really the legacy that Murray left. Obviously, I know it's an obvious point to make, but the training facilities and the stadium, etc. It's a physical legacy, yeah, isn't it? yeah definitely. The great work he's done with um, like Beacon of Light and getting the Foundation of Light underway. But I do feel that he was um, somewhat revisionist in his answers. Mm. that he gave on the Rote Report podcast the other week. Um, and I think there were certain crossroads where he could have invested more in the team and we maybe could have challenged in like higher echelons of the Premier League. But I remember um, when I first started going to football matches under the, the Murray regime and the frustration which you, we kind of was taught to you before you even attended the games back then about uh, you know the frustrations that the fans had towards the chairman. You know, it didn't help. You know that you know Newcastle were doing well when yeah. you know flying with you know bringing in international players in in comparison as well. I remember being the the crowds were very very frustrated. I mean, I was young as well, but it's, I de- I was definitely aware of something I shouldn't have been aware of. I mean, at that age. This is a point. I think that was a thing as well in that interview. I don't think the. Um... The Crosby, no, sorry, not Crosby, the um, Buxton and the um, Terry Butcher era were even yeah. referenced, really. That was when I first started and, going regularly. Yeah, and before the disaster of the last two seasons, that was probably the lowest ever of a football club, and yeah. that all happened on Murray's watch. So, as I say, I think he was slightly revisionist, but I've still got a lot of respect for Murray and the legacy that he's left us with, ultimately, and I think he's been looked at now in a much more favourable light. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my view on Bob Murray. He's just kind of, I don't particularly dislike him but I think the calls for like stands and that to be named after him mm. is just a little bit like too far like he's got the, the, the on the gates called the gates the, the, yeah. the, the, it's uh, given to the people of Sunderland from the Murray family I think it's yeah. a plaque on there which will ne- always be there Matthew do you want to chip in with your perspective um, on the debate I don't know I, I, I kind of I agree with Mickey really there's been a lot of stuff thrown about but the legacies as as you've as you've said really the, the legacies there from the but don't forget it I don't know. It's a difficult one to kind of to go into, really. It's probably way. easier if we like, ask someone like uh, Stephen and Gareth, who yeah. started so going start, the games before us. I started us. going sort of '97, so it was obviously we got relegated, but it was picking up then. So when I first started, we were actually quite good. And certainly see why it's a relevant question, though, because you've almost got the two extremes there. Yeah. Because um, Bob Murray, obviously, he was renowned for basically spending his money like it was his own. Yes. Whereas Ellis Short, when he first came in, we kind of. 
were just splashing the cash a little bit willy-nilly and then he had to really tighten his belt towards the end of his reign because of his financial mistake. So maybe I was being a little bit harsh on Murray saying that he should have like invested more in the squad when we had the opportunity around 2000, 2001. Yeah. But I think the wealth of Shaw and Murray, though... Oh, massive, oh, apart, definitely so. not in the same stratosphere, really, yeah. have I? So, well, I think we, we've covered that anyway, and we've probably reached the end of the podcast as well. We should end with some predictions ahead of uh, the weekend's fixture against Walsall down there. Uh, Matthew, what do you think the score? No, I'm going bold, four-one, something. Four-one. We had some big, f- you know, four la- four goal score lines predicted last time we were in, and we didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. get that. But four-one, four-one. Michael, I'm going just. <laughs> That sounds a bit arrogant, actually. It's just a nice little safe 2 0, if you know what I mean, as if like Man City or it's somebody. Good little head, head ruffle there. Yeah, yeah. As I say, you can walk out the ground, you can see like fair play to the Walsall fans. You can can't say, wait for this. They yeah. Sit, like all year. Yeah, and you can just say to them, well, if you play like that for the rest of the season, <laughs> I'm sure you'll stay up, you know. Uh, Matthew, what would it be saying to your wife come 5 pm on uh, Saturday? Um, That's between them two, shoes. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't really want to go into that. Um, what Mickey just said. Yeah. Fair play. Good effort. Give us a good game. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, join uh, Stephen and Gareth and, I don't know, some ex-pro or something like that on, on Monday. They'll people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people who know what they're doing. Uh, they'll be back on Monday. Uh, we'll be back as soon as possible. Thursday. That's when we're back Thursday. Thursday. So we'll, we'll get to talk about the, uh, the Barnsley game. Yes. And they won't. Yes. And the next Walsall game. Yeah. <laughs> Two victories for the preview podcast. Join us next time. 